This is the Thorn Podcast, the show that navigates the complex world of wellness and explores the latest science behind diet, supplements, and lifestyle approaches to good health. I'm Dr. Robert Roundtree, Chief Medical Advisor at Thorn and Functional Medicine Doctor. As a reminder, the recommendations made in this podcast are the recommendations of the individuals who express them and not the recommendations of Thorn. Statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast. This week, we're going to be taking a look at Thorn's Stress at Home Test Kit. As always, when we do one of these test kit deep dives, in addition to the audio episode, we're releasing a video version as well. So be sure to check that out on thorn.com or on our YouTube page so you can follow along as we go over our results and see all the graphics and visuals that come along with the recommendations. Joining me to talk about this test, as always, is my good friend, colleague, and returning guest of the pod, Thorn's VP of Medical Affairs, Dr. Amanda Frick. Hi, Amanda. How are you doing today? Hi, Bob. I'm well, thank you. How are yeah, you? you? I'm good. Are you getting plenty of sleep and not working too hard? I try. I do my yeah. best. Yeah. And, uh, and how's it going with the espresso? I know you're a fan. I am. I'm a massive fan. <laughs> I have to confess, I had four shots of espresso this morning, and I'm feeling pretty good. Do you just take them black straight? Uh, no, I like a little cream and a little bit of honey, just enough to cut it. But I seem to be in the 50% of the population that can consume caffeine without it uh, destroying my heart rhythm. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good for you. I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to accomplish getting things done. <laughs> that's good. So I happen to be, again, I'm in that camp that, that seems to benefit from caffeine. Certainly I have patients that that don't. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that as part of the podcast today. You and I have both taken Thorn's stress test. We're going to walk our listeners through the results in a bit, but we always like to establish why would anyone take this test? And what, what does it mean? What kind of stress exactly is it measuring? I think that's kind of a misnomer, actually, is it measure? It's not really measuring your stress. Only you can do that. But I think it's measuring what stress is doing to your body or how you're reacting to it and gives you a better idea of at least, you know, if I were looking at and my patient was doing a stress test, I'd be looking at how early are we here? Are we, are we, are we in a reactive state? Is your body reacting to what's currently happening? Or have you already berated it with stress so much that it's like barely keeping up for you? And really what I think people don't understand is treatment for those two things are really different. So being stressed and how your adrenal glands are responding have two different ways you can approach it based on how they're reacting to you or how long-standing that stress has been on your body. You know, it's interesting. You can't always tell from the outside what's going on internally with a person. I know they're what's called hot reactors, and I don't know if they call them cold reactors or maybe not hot reactors, but I remember a study a few years back where they hooked people up to a pinball game, and they wanted to see like what was really going on inside certain people who seemed frantic when they were playing the pinball, they were cool as a cucumber inside. Their blood pressure was good. Their pulse was fine. Other people who were calmly working the machine had high jumps in their blood pressure, their pulse rate, their sweat, <laughs> you know, they were, they were basically freaking out, but you would never know it 
from the outside, which I always thought is interesting. So you can't always tell just by looking at a person, you would say, oh, that person's really stressed. And hence the value of doing a test that's actually measuring how your adrenal glands are responding. So maybe very quickly, tell us what the adrenal glands are, where, where are they in the body, and what do they do? Yeah, adrenal glands are located above your kidneys. You have two of them. They release uh, stress hormones and not just cortisol, although that's what we're measuring today, but also certain types of stimulatory things like uh, catecholamines, norepinephrine, epinephrine. They're your fight or flight response. So if a bear is going to chase you, they're helping your body to react to what's happening. That That's a good thing. And they're meant to help you respond to stress in a way that either lets you mount a response or get away from, you know, whatever the stressor is. They probably weren't designed for, <laughs> we were talking about social media earlier, they weren't designed for getting stressed out by social media all day long or CNN or something that's happening at your neighbors and just constant the way that we're stressed now. And so they, t I think they tend to get affected and easily get out of balance just because of what a modern lifestyle looks like. Um, so what they're doing is a good thing, but sometimes they can overreact or they're getting the wrong message because of lifestyle factors or stressors. And then sometimes they get tired. They just, they've reacted so much that they're not putting out the same kind of reaction that they should when you need it, uh, which is right. It's, it's really nice to be able to measure and take a look at where they're reacting for you. So the hormones that we're measuring in this test, they're coming from the outer capsule. I don't know if capsules are really the right word. It's called the cortex of the adrenal gland. So the middle part of the adrenal gland makes adrenaline. And that's a lot of people when they think fight or flight, running away from a saber-toothed tiger, they think <laughs> adrenaline, right? You know, well, we needed our glands to be active. So we didn't get eaten by saber-toothed tigers. So we could pass on our genes that had that high level of reactivity. But as you said, if you're sitting at your desk all day long and the main stress is from your boss, <laughs> right? Or from the deadlines that you're under, not such a good thing if it's day in, day out. And here's the good news. We can measure how your body's responding. And what exactly are we measuring? In this thorn stress test, we're measuring cortisol at four points during the day and DHEA. And we measure cortisol at four points during the day because a natural cycle has, I call it like a ski slope. It starts high, sort of comes down and levels off at night. And that's really what it should be doing to help get you awake in the morning and help be able to fall asleep at night. And so by collecting all four points, you can take a look at whether there's points in the day that it's falling apart or overreactive or whether that's why you can't get up in the morning or can't sleep at night. There's so many different ways that that imbalance can affect, you know, how, what your experience is. One thing I would say about that four point measurement is that this is backed by years of research. This is not this is not alternative medicine or anything like that. I mean, this is, you know, considered really valid by mainstream researchers who've been looking at the body stress response. So, uh, you know, what we're measuring here are actually fairly standard markers for what's going on in the course today. Now, a lot of doctors who are evaluating their patients may say, well, all you need is a morning cortisol blood test. And that's the end of the story. But they're missing a big part of what's going on if they don't know what's happening throughout the day. And I think my results will actually illustrate that very nicely. Uh, and perhaps you can give me some advice about what to do about that. We'll see. I can send, I'll send you an invoice later. You send me an invoice. <laughs> now, these are salivary tests. So I don't know if there's a lot, whole lot to say about that. Maybe before the break, you can mention 
what was involved in getting the kid and what your experience was of doing that. It's, it's a pretty easy collection in my experience. You're right. It is a pretty easy collection. And this one is saliva. So you don't have to poke your finger. You don't have to do anything untoward or if that's something that makes you uncomfortable or, you know, blood draws are not your favorite thing. You know, it's not like spitting is particularly, you know, entertaining, but at least it's not a blood collection of any sort. <laughs> I think you and I had talked about it, though, that you have to collect four times. One is first thing when you get up and then at three more points during the day, which are essentially before lunch, before dinner and before bed. And that first one in the morning, multiple hormones are coming out of, whereas the other ones you're individualizing a bit. So that first tube is a little bit larger, but it's a little bit harder because you did just wake up. So some tips I would have for that. There are tips included in the booklet. Uh, so you'll find, you know, your four different tubes, a little a bag to put them in, labels for the tubes, and then, you know, your instruction booklet. And in the booklet are some tips about how to get your saliva flowing, like think about a food you really like or, you know, some things like that. I find that rinsing with cold water, you're not supposed to brush your teeth or have food or coffee. So even when you first wake up, rinsing with cold water just to like have your mouth feel fresh and clean. It's not so dried out from sleep. And then just be a little patient. That first one can take a minute to collect what you need. And then talking, after it that, sounds like you're talking to me. Are you talking yeah. to me? Because I, I specifically <laughs> remember complaining, whining to you. I said, you know, that's a lot of spit that first one in the morning. And I'm, I'm not a big salivator, right? And you reassured me, okay, well, it's just going to take a little while. And sure enough, you know, there was no problem analyzing my results. So it may take a bit of patience for that first morning collection. So yeah, you remember that interaction quite well. Yeah. I, <laughs> I said, yeah, I just don't spit enough. And you reassured me, oh, that's normal. It just, it may take you a while to, to generate that much spit. And the good thing is if you're collecting through the day or you have work to get done, the, the other collections during the day are a lot smaller and they go really quickly, actually. Once you get through the first one, you're a rock star at that situation. And so the rest of them seem super easy. So it helps to practice your spitting technique perhaps <laughs> in, in advance. But I mean, it's saliva and you will be able to generate enough. And if it takes a few minutes to produce the adequate amount, well, that's okay. Just be patient with it. All right, well, with that, let's take a short break and when we come back, we'll look at our actual results. Are you ready to take the guesswork out of good health? If you are, then Thorne makes it easy with simple health tests that offer deep insights into what's going on inside your body. Choose from multiple tests that analyze for sleep, stress, weight management, biological age, the gut microbiome, and more. Thorne's at-home health tests measure your personal biomarkers, providing detailed insights that help you identify potential health risks and specific areas of improvement. Plus, each one provides individualized recommendations for diet, exercise, and supplementation. Visit thorne.com to learn more about Thorne's Health Test and to start your new health discoveries today. That's T-H-O-R-N-E dot com. And we're back. So now it's time to see what Thorne's stress test has to say about our individual samples. We've taken our test, we spit into the tubes, we mailed it in, and then we got emails notifying us that our results were ready. So we logged into thorn.com. So Amanda's going to go first, and she's going to 
explain her results, and then we're going to swap. So Amanda, what did you see? Sure. So um, this is my result here on the screen. I got my little welcome message. You can find your results on the column in the left that says test results. And so I have a a little bit of imperfection here. (laughs) Not as clean as the last one. Although I will say, in honesty, I am not displeased with with this. So really what we're showing here is this is when we talked about doing four times a day or that ski slope pattern that we were talking about. So these are the time frames. And as you go from left to right here, then it's like morning to night. And so things are supposed to be high in the morning, sort of drop down rapidly midday and then ease out at night. And I came in the normal level. So my morning, my morning cortisol is landing here at 5.6, which is considered normal. Same thing for my noon. It's on the little bit of high side, but still considered normal. And then my pre-dinner marking is out. So it's actually a little bit high. They would expect that or we'd want that to be a little bit lower. And then my nighttime is back into the normal range where it should be before bed. So what I'm okay with is that (laughs) I'm getting through the day okay and I'm still falling asleep all right. So I, I don't have a massive problem with this. I was pretty happy that I had three or four and normal because after medical school and private practice and so many other things, I've had a sort of a flat line pattern for a long time. So the fact that I even have a bit of curve showing up or a morning cortisol that's become more normal, I'm pretty excited about it. So so at one point your, your glands were flat. You said they weren't responding. Oh. Yeah. Just pretty much straight line across the bottom of the board the whole time. When I got really lucky, I had a little bit more in the morning and a lot of work and lifestyle adjustments. And it takes a long time to recover that, you know, depending on how long it takes you to get there. You know, so this one, this one's the closest thing to normal I've seen in years. Yeah, this is progress (laughs) for you. Progress. And I'm curious. So sometimes that uh, pre pre meal rise in cortisol can stimulate appetite. Would you say you ever experienced that? like a big craving? Because I think there's some supplements that are out that are used specifically to try to curb that, that rise before meals. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it. I don't, I think that in general, I do, I have a lot of like, I don't know about cravings or big appetite, but I have a lot of like food seeking behavior at that time. It's the end of the day. And then I start thinking about like, what's the fun thing I'm going to eat or what's for dinner tonight. So maybe that's it. That's a good point. Yeah, it could be cortisol driven. But I really like food, Bob, so I don't know if yeah. I want it to go Well, away. It, it is one of the great pleasures in life, in my opinion. Yes, it is. So what did your DHEA show? I'm curious about that. Yes. DHEA is showing normal, normal range. I wouldn't, mind if it were, I wouldn't mind if it were a little higher for the anti-aging benefits there, so that wouldn't hurt my feelings, but... I'm glad that it's still in a healthy normal range. When it's when it gets too low, I think then you start it starts affecting other hormones. There that would to me would indicate possible issues with other hormone imbalance or things that could be going on I'd want to look farther into. But this one would be considered normal and you know, I don't have a lot of issues with motivation or drive or fatigue or anything like that. So while I would like to have the aging benefits of having a higher level, this one is considered normal for my age and my gender. So again, these tests were reassuring more than anything else to you. You can say, oh, I'm actually doing okay here. Yeah, exactly. Especially the cortisol pattern. I felt a little happy for myself. <laughs> Terrific. Okay. So that was helpful. Um, why don't we switch over and I will share my result. 
do you want to see what uh, what my recommendations oh, you, oh, were? Oh, oh, yes. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to bypass that. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> good. What did they That's tell the you part. to do? Yeah, get um, more sleep. Yeah, well, we'll see. The um, I got a Mediterranean diet recommendation, which again is a general recommendation for um, anti-inflammatory. Lots of data about about why to eat a Mediterranean diet. Mine had prebiotic and probiotic foods, which is really interesting. And I think the aim here is to help optimize the gut microbiome that helps normalize cortisol levels. So if I were more curious about this, I could run some more testing or I could look at my gut microbiome. Uh, but without having that information, it's recommending that I just support my microbiome balance. Uh, because I have a high cortisol level at some point, I got recommended sort of relaxing exercises. So I got recommended yoga and meditation, a workout in the morning. I think that's probably because my cortisol, while it was normal, could stand to be a little bit higher, especially in relation to my other ones. Um, uh, and then engaging in affectionate behavior. So this is a really neat one. And so that's about reducing stress and how, e if whether it's low or high, having some touch time or having time with your fa friends, family, or important people can really help to regulate your, how your body responds to stress. So that's a really nice one. I love that and one, then, actually. I, I don't think I'd, I'd recognize did you not that, get that was that in one? I, I'll, I'll look and see. I don't remember if that's in there or not. I, I wonder if like stroking your cat or your dog would be included. I mean, doesn't that raise oxytocin and lower it your does. stress? It does. I think there's studies about that too, like uh, petting your animal or the same thing. That's engaging in infection, affectionate behavior and you can get that same stress relief response for sure. And then I got one product in my recommendation, uh, which makes sense to me. So Isofos is in here, which which we use a lot to help support when cortisol is high, when we don't want it to be, which is exactly what's showing up in my result, which could help, especially if I was feeling stressed more in the evening or if my mind is racing closer to bedtime or if I had any difficulty sleeping, then Isofos is great to support those things. Okay, so here are my results. And, and we start with, Hi, Robert, and decided to show you what your body is capable of with the multi-omic testing. So this is the stress panel analysis, and here is my cortisol. So the first thing I would say about this is that I'm grateful that I have cortisol in the morning. I'm not a morning person. You know, after having read Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep, he talks about chronotypes, and there's there's morning types and evening types, and I'm definitely an evening chronotype. I really wake up in the afternoon and I'm, I'm wide awake, like, you know, the time when everybody else is going to bed. So I suppose I should be working in a restaurant or something like that. And that's reflected really in, in what my results show. My cortisol, it's okay in the morning. It's not too bad, but it just stays there, right? It doesn't go down. And then by by dinner time, it really spikes, and that's when my brain really wakes up, et cetera. So, yeah, I do manage to sleep these days, but it takes me some effort to calm down. The transition time is really important for me. And so this, I, I could say, beautifully reflects my experience. Uh, you know, this is exactly what it's like to be inside of my skin. Is that morning's a little slow. Evenings get going and then really hard to slow down once I've got that momentum. So I don't think anybody wants to ski off that slope there. That's more like a butte or a yeah, plateau. Yeah, it gets up and it stays up. Yeah. So we'll come back later and talk about what the recommendations are. But first, let's 
let's go into what the DHEA shows. Now, I do take DHEA, and the reason that I have been taking it is because I did one of these tests a few years ago, and my level was quite low. And so I started taking it and have taken it for years. I take 25 milligrams in the morning, and I did the biological age test for Thorn. And as you know, DHEA is one of the things that they they look at in there. And I think that my biological age is about 15. No, I'm just joking. It's, you know, <laughs> not that young, but it did seem to help. And and I do experience benefits from taking DHEA. You know, that's not always going to be the case. But I think, you know, my results are going to be a little skewed. I didn't take the DHEA the morning of the test, but that's showing me that it is keeping my levels up pretty high and hopefully lowering my biological age, which is a very interesting thing. So here are my recommendations, similar to yours, follow a Mediterranean diet. Didn't really need to make any dietary changes. Eat prebiotics and, and probiotics. I got to say, I love sauerkraut. I actually, oh, you know, we have this stuff called wild brine, which is, a, is fermented green cabbage. And I, I have a hit of that every day, not even at mealtime, just I've gotten to where I really crave it. So I think these fermented foods are really good. Practice yoga and meditate. I do meditate every day, but this makes it sound like I need to do more. And maybe I should be working out more in the morning for a good 30 minutes. Instead, what I tend to do is work out in the afternoon when my cortisol's up. You know, mm-hmm. I feel more <laughs> up for doing that, but maybe I could blunt that effect. I think the implication here is that maybe not the healthiest thing in the world to have your cortisol at such a sustained level for so long. I kind of think that's what what these interpretations are saying. Like, okay, maybe it feels good. It works for you. You've you've built a lifestyle around that, but maybe it isn't the healthiest thing for your blood sugar, blood pressure, et cetera. Would you agree with that, Amanda? I would. I would. I think if, some people If I was your patient. With... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people who struggle with high cortisol may have weight management issues too. And so, you know, that's not an issue for you, but for some people it may be especially if it's combined with other sort of metabolic issues or lifestyle factors. Maybe if I didn't exercise as much as I do and didn't do my best to stay in shape, uh, it would be more of a problem. I also should be engaging in affectionate behavior. Um, I had to shut the door so my cat wouldn't come in and jump on my lap during this, but he does have a tendency to do that right in the middle of webinars. Uh, And now I have an excuse for doing that. I, I need to engage in affectionate behavior. So interestingly, the main recommendation for me is Magicare. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Magicare uh, is plant sterols. So they're helping to sort of realign the immune system is normally what I think of them for. Okay. Well, that makes perfect sense. And and this tells me a little bit more about Magicare. I do use that that supplement in my practice, but this gives me a little more insight into what it may be for. So, do you use it for adrenal support in your practice, or use it for I, other? You things? know, I hadn't thought about doing that to be perfectly honest uh, until seeing this. Now it makes more sense. I mostly use it for autoimmune conditions or for general immune support. So yeah, this is sense. one more thing you know to add to the repertoire. So I learned something from doing this. It was not a big surprise. In fact, when I've done these adrenal tests in the past, they were even worse than this, yeah. right? You talk about being flatline low. I've been flatline high where I was just high cortisol 
all the time, all cortisol all the time. So this is actually a little bit better pattern for me. And, and it suggests that I'm improving. The reason for, for phrasing it that way is because I think that these tests can be really utilized well as a serial measurement. By that, I mean doing it maybe every three months or every six months to see if the interventions you're doing are working or not. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I think three months is a great timeline for most tests, if not all tests that we have. I think three months is a great retest timeline. I mean, even if there's only a bit of nutritional supplementation that goes in there, um, it, you can start to look at what your lifestyle factors are doing, maybe shifting your workout schedule. Like you said, if you didn't change anything, but just shifted some of those schedules around, you can, you know, it's basically like that biohacking or life adjustment. You can see the changes that you make and measure what, what it's doing on the inside, as well as, you know, how you feel and what works well for you. Well, I have to say that I'm in the camp that the more information we have, the more data we have, the better. Uh, having just read the book by Dr. Nathan Price and, and Leroy Hood, um, uh, which I, I highly recommend, you know, the, the book is all about uh, the, this age of scientific wellness, which is based on data. So the more, as you said, biohacking that we do, the more we know how our body is responding to the lifestyle that we're currently living, the more we have the opportunity to adjust. We can manage what we can measure, I think is the, how the saying goes. If you if you measure it, you manage it. Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, be careful <laughs> you what you be wish managing. for because, you know, what are you going to do with that? You're going to have to think a little bit. And you act know, a lot. Act a lot. Uh, it's going to make you more responsible, but I think that's a good thing. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for this week. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I know I always ask this, but if people want to keep track of you, uh, where's the best place for them to find what you're writing about or blogging about, et cetera? You can find the things I'm blogging about on our take five daily at thorn.com. And then other contributions that I make outside of our website, you can find those on LinkedIn on my profile. All right. That was excellent. Dr. Amanda Frick, Thorne's VP of Medical Affairs, speaking about Thorne's stress test. As always, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thorne Podcast. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. If you've got a health or wellness question you'd like answered, Simply follow our Instagram and shoot a message to at ThornHealth. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting Thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 daily blog. Once again, thanks for tuning in, and don't forget to join us next time for another episode of the Thorn Podcast.